0: He had no parking, so people were parking on the street, running out and feeding meters and stuff, and so he had lots of challenges. But um, but I spent a couple of weeks there. We identified some opportunities and said, and I gave him the plan and I said, here, go for it. I didn't have to go back. And it was about twelve months later. He called and he said, because the goal was two million. I said, I think you can get to two million. And he called one day and he said, hey, we just hit two million. And kind of nice. And he said, now my goal is three million. of course (laughs) and since that time now we're
1: going
0: to he or pre-covid he did hit 3 million so it's pretty amazing yeah
1: awesome so really appreciate you coming on today paul Uh, i'm looking forward to our conversation for people who have not had the pleasure of meeting you tell me a little bit about who you are in victory lanes
0: Okay. First of all, thanks for the invitation. Appreciate it. Honored. I like getting your emails and a lot of the marketing advice and tips. They're helpful. I share them with my staff and and,
1: uh, I'm happy to hear that.
0: Glad you're Mm -hmm. you're doing that. Anyway, so what was the question? Tell us about Victory Lanes.
1: Yeah, tell us. Yeah, Victory Lanes.
0: Victory Lanes is in Mooresville, North Carolina. It's a suburb of Charlotte, about 20 miles north of Charlotte. Uh, It's Known as Race City, USA, so it's the home of NASCAR. A lot of the NASCAR teams are based here, and it's it's interesting. I grew up in in California in the Bay Area, Mm. knew nothing about NASCAR, and when I came here, it was one of those things where I better learn about NASCAR. Yeah, we had a lot of company parties that were NASCAR teams, and and Mm. a lot of the drivers would bring their families here and things like that, and. I remember staff getting all excited. Hey, do you, do you see who that is? That's Brad Kozlowski. I'm like, who? <laughs> Brad Kozlowski. And uh, so it's it's been interesting. It's been an interesting, it's really an interesting industry, NASCAR. But uh, Mooresville, it's more than NASCAR. It's also, uh, there's a lot of high tech in this area. And, and it's just a booming, booming market. Victory Lanes was built in 2007 by George Pappas. George is a Hall of Fame bowler one of the greatest bowlers of all time and he's a charlotte native and had a bowling center in in charlotte and then one in gastonia just outside of charlotte and he built this in 2007 beautiful center 40 lanes nice restaurant and in a great location and i i've known george since the 70s when i bowled on tour and george is very old school and when he built this beautiful facility he wasn't really prepared to shift his paradigm uh, on how he marketed this and he right. tried to do it as a traditional traditional bowling center pretty much league-based and it was way too much for that to support especially the, the, in 2007 the direction that league bowling was going so
1: right
0: so he called me in 2012 and as a consultant and that's what i was doing at the time i was working with centers that were struggling underperforming uh, just mm. helping them and and worked with george and then he asked me to stay. Uh, permanently. And we worked a deal out where eventually I could buy the place and did that in 2018 and, and have had it since. And it was interesting because of course we went through COVID and all that.
1: Yeah, did you get in the reins. Yeah.
0: But but it, it's a beautiful facility. It's what I call, it, it's really, for me, it's the perfect bowling center because I believe there's the, I don't know if we'll call it a debate or not, but there's the discussion about FEC's traditional league-based mm-hmm. bowl. And so on. And I've always believed that a hybrid uh, of those two things is what's the most important, uh, where you have an entertainment-based bowling center that's also a competitive uh, bowling center, meaning that appeals to Competitive bowling, league bowling, tournament bowling. We have leagues Monday through Thursday. We're completely, pretty much completely full. When we're not completely, COVID put a little dent in that, and it left us some open lanes on weekdays, which was nice because we got, really got tired of turning away people every night of the week. But right. I think this fall we're going to probably be full again Monday through Thursday, and that's good and bad. The good is that you could, it's revenue you can count on, and on right. Monday. Thursday when we would otherwise be pretty slow. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we shift to a more entertainment-based type of an operation. Lots of parties, lots of walk-in casual business, birthday parties, company parties, fundraisers, and so on. We still host a lot of tournaments, and I was 40 years a member of the PBA. I think it's important to carry on George's leg. George gave a lot back to the PBA. So we still host several PVA tournaments each year. We hosted the 2019 U.S. Open and, and then we have things like state tournaments and all that. Okay. So that's we are. we have a pretty large arcade, full redemption, a very large restaurant with live entertainment. We have live, oh, very comedy, cool. live comedy, we have bands, we have, you uh, know, DJs, we have karaoke. We have a lot going on in yeah. the wow. restaurant and lounge. And it's a, it's a tap room. Okay. And, eventually going to be a brewery as well. And then we have a lot of non, non-bowling business in the form of meetings and uh, group activities that come here just to meet yeah. and eat and not necessarily bowl. So, so that's what we're about.
1: Yeah. So pretty well diversified then. Yeah. I'd like to dive a little bit because when we spoke, you mentioned it and you just mentioned it now about the consulting side. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, how you got into that and maybe some of the lessons you learned over time, because that sounds like a very valuable thing for others to see. Or to hear about,
0: okay, yeah, and I, I think a lot of older proprietors probably are remember me and are familiar, familiar with me. But I grew up in the bowling business. And I started as a manager in California, and. Worked for ERC for Brunswick in the early 80s. Got a good education for them on, on the business side of the business and was always a good marketer, was always good at business development. And and then when I left Brunswick, started owning my own center, then I did things non-traditionally, even though I grew up in the business in the 70s. I, I always recognized that the business was changing and that that our market was changing and it paid a lot of attention to all the research that was being done about smoking for instance i was right. an advocate of i felt that smoking was our number one enemy yeah. and eventually when i had a, my consulting business that actually that position actually hurt me because there were some proprietors who felt like my stance on bowling was contrary to, to their best interest. Right, turns
1: out you are just ahead of your time. <laughs> so
0: I was really active in the BPAA and I would attend Bowl Expo every year and I would okay. attend all the state conventions and I was always active in my state BPAA. And what I noticed at BPAA was at the at Bowl Expo and any meetings, any seminars that we went to is you'd get a lot of great ideas and then you would take all these ideas home and you'd be mm. very excited and the second that you got to the center, you'd be hit with reality a problems of running a bowling center so all those great ideas would then go in a drawer and get put aside till i'll get to those later and then we would never implement them the other thing that that i noticed was proprietors had a really hard time executing an idea The ideas were out there, and our industry is really good about sharing ideas. Yes. The question was, how do you actually do this? So here's this great idea, but how do you actually do it in the center? And one of the things that I did learn at BRC was how to write an action plan, a step-by-step action plan, where you looked at every element of a promotion from start to finish, from employee awareness, just making sure the employees understood it, to who's the target market. When are you going to do this? How are you going to market it? And so on, right through the follow up of the promotion. So, got very good at writing action plans and thought what proprietors need is not just the idea, but they also need how to implement it right. in a step by step, simple to use action plan. We now call those turnkey promotions, leading edge. So, I, I believe I was pretty much the first one to do this kind of on a commercialized basis. So I formed a company called Positive Marketing and Positive Marketing Service. And the idea was you would subscribe as a bowling center, you would subscribe to the service. And each month you would get a turnkey package of promotions. You'd get a lead idea, you get a open play idea, you get a tournament idea, and then you get some management tips. And this was pre, this was early nineties. So pre-computers, pre-desktop publishing, I had an old classic that I used. It was one of the first computers. The idea of cutting and pasting was literal. It was, we were cutting (laughs) pictures and pasting clip art and things like that. I love it. So what what I would do is we would send this material to the bowling centers that subscribe and they would open it up. There would be flyers already designed. And all Mm -hmm. they had to do is drop in a date, drop in their center information, but they literally had to paste it in because it wasn't electronic. And, and so people love that. And so that, that started in I think 90, I want to say about 92. And we began to get subscribers at one, we peaked at about 800 subscribers. Oh, wow. One time over the years, we had about 1100 subscribers. Mm -hmm. And, and so we had a lot of people using our stuff and it was a lot of work on our end, but people loved it. And I still talk to centers today who tell mm-hmm. me they've got file drawers full of this stuff, all these promotions. Yeah. But, but that was the idea there. And then that led to BPA asking me to speak at Bowl Expo and speak at the conferences and the state associations would do the same. So I yeah. began doing a lot of seminars and workshops and things like that. And then, and then that led to the consulting, the on-site consult. I began, I always worked with underperforming centers or districts. Mm -hmm. When I was with Brunswick, my, the centers I got were really underperforming. And the idea was go in and get them turned around. And then the district that I got when I was a district manager was 25th out of 25 districts. And the idea was get that turned around. And I love that because it was relatively easy in a sense that if it's doing that poorly if we just go in and do the basics correctly oh, yeah. it's going to we're going to see significant improvement and yeah. always did and in fact and so then when i started getting clients it was um, i might spend a week and then i'd be gone for a few months and then i'd go back and do some follow up and then i'd be gone a few months and go back varying degrees of how involved i would be with any given client, some needed a lot of handholding and some were just like, Hey, here's your action plan. And this is what I think you need to do go for it. And some could just do that on their own. I remember a friend who is now a friend in California, a proprietor, hit a little 24 lane center and an amazing challenge. And it's around 2005. He, I think he was doing about a million six in this little 24-lane center, but he felt he could do better, but he didn't know how. I wouldn't say that he was underperforming. He was doing great, but he knew he could do better. And that was always the thing too, was when you're so deep in the weeds in running your business, you really don't know what your potential is. So you you think you're doing great and you think you're doing as good as you can do, but somebody comes in from the outside with a completely objective perspective, and can begin to see where there's opportunity. And so that was something that I got really good at was identifying opportunity, identifying potential mm-hmm. growth. So here we had this little 24 lane center doing a million six in 2005, which is phenomenal. Yeah. And he had a lot of challenges on top of it. He was in Glendale, California, and he had no parking in the daytime because mm. the county had the public domain, his parking lot. for their employees from nine to five he had no parking so people were parking on the street running out and feeding meters and stuff and so had lots of challenges but um but i spent a couple weeks there we identified some opportunities and said and i gave him the plan and i said here go for it i didn't have to go back and it was about 12 months later he called and he said because the goal was two million i said i think you can get to two million and he called one day and he said hey we just hit two million and kind of nice. then he said, now my goal is 3 million. Of and, course. <laughs> and since that time, now we're going yeah. to he or pre COVID, he did hit 3 million. So it's wow. pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. So so that's yes, how works.
0: Yeah. And I have clients all over the country, actually all over the world. Clients in Canada who had the candle pin and, okay, and yeah. that was interesting. I had a contract with the air force. I worked with Raymo Piketty, who was the founder of DBA products that was the lane, the lane oil and lane machine company got kind of a pre Kegel. And, and Ramo was the foremost authority on maintenance in a bowling center on lane maintenance. And he, he and I got this contract with the air force and we would go into the air force bowling centers. Uh, I would take care of the front of the house. He would take care of the back of the house. And right. so we got to go all over the world doing that. That was nice.
1: It was very cool. Mm. Being able
0: to travel the world.
1: Yeah. And now are you doing this like simultaneously with uh, owning the centers and consulting and the subscription or what does that overlay look like?
0: Yeah. So the subscription deal, we tried to continue that all the way up to 98 or almost 2000 and run centers. And I would get a client who would say, could you spend more time? We had a center in the John summer centers in Rockford, Illinois, get five centers and he Mm -hmm. wanted me on site So we tried running the business from there and, um, it was a challenge and we weren't really doing justice to it because it was a little more than I could handle and then still had a few clients. And then eventually when we no longer owned a center and wasn't involved on site with any center, I just did the consulting for almost 10 years.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: And and I'd have anywhere from six to 10 regular clients. And then I see.
1: Yeah. So then rotating. So then what was your quote unquote like playbook when you came in there? What was like your first order of business, second order? What would you typically do?
0: The first things I would do would be before I went in, I would call or I would have my wife call the center and try to book a party. Okay. And see just how they handled the call. Mm -hmm. And we might also call and ask about bowling lessons. Do you do bowling lessons? Yeah. Things like that. So we just see how they would handle. Mystery
1: shopper kind of thing.
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then I would go in the day before as a customer and just go in unannounced and the proprietor would know I was going, but, and just go in and bowl and eat and just kind of listen to the conversation among the employees and that kind of thing and start to get some ideas. And then, then once I was officially there and they knew who I was, it was a lot of observation. It was a lot of one-on-one interviews with staff. It was exploring the market, visiting the chamber of commerce or just driving around the area, depending on every situation, a little bit different. If there was an opportunity to work with schools, might meet with the, try to meet with the superintendent of the schools and just spend time. I'm just trying to get to know the center know the market <clears throat> previous to going in i would have studied financials and tried to see if there were any really obvious financial issues okay cost controls or things like that and in sometimes you ran into that sometimes you ran into ways that were clearly stealing and yeah uh, you had to break that news to the proprietor who might already have known it or suspected it but you start to identify it but mostly it was <clears throat> trying to focus on growing the business on building the business, but you had to figure out where are the priorities. Usually when I would go in to any center like that, they were underperforming in terms of revenue, in terms of profit. So that would be the first thing they'd want me to focus on. And oftentimes they had issues like maintenance, pin setter maintenance was poor, let's say a lot of breakdowns, or cleanliness or customer service, or things like that. So sometimes there you have to get your house in order before you start inviting
1: right people into yeah
0: place because I'd have to explain, look, the last thing we want to do right now is bring new people into this place and then have them never come back. And most of this was pre-social media too, so we didn't have to worry about the bad social media reviews, but we still had to worry about bad word of mouth. Yeah, especially
1: a new customer, if that's their first impression, you want to be a good one.
0: Yeah, so we would focus on getting our house in order first, focus on cleanliness, focus on customer service, maybe the appearance of the staff, the appearance in general of the center. And then if there was maintenance issues, try to get those under control. And then just then begin to look at where do we have opportunities? So what's our inventory look like? how many when do we have lanes available and you look at weeknights and you look at weekends and what are we doing on those times and then you look for the low-hanging fruit so we're doing two birthday parties a week maybe we could be doing six or eight or ten if we structured it differently or we land them differently or we offered something different or we have opportunities for leagues because we're not full every night on the weeknights and so Plug in a have a ball league or like that to so try to and try to get new people. Then you begin to look at where the marketing opportunities in town uh, get involved with the schools, get involved with the Chamber of Commerce, uh, begin to let people know. There, I think this still exists today, but there was always this sort of mentality that we've been here for 30 years. Everybody knows we're here, everybody knows we're where we are. Yep. We don't need to do any marketing we don't need to do any advertising all
1: the time Mm -hmm. yeah
0: but no people are transient and there's 20 percent of the population is changing pretty much every year so there are people who have no clue that you're there that they don't know you're there and they don't know what you have to offer and you if you're not out and actively in the community letting them know they're not ever going to come to your place no matter how long you've
1: been there exactly yeah
0: and i used to think that too going pretty far back but we bought a center in Idaho Falls, Idaho. It was 35 years old when we bought it. And the guy that built it was the one we bought it from. So he'd been there 35 years, and he was very well known in the community. And my first Chamber of Commerce meeting, I'm introducing myself and people are like, oh, where are you from? I'm from Bolero Lane." named Bolero before Bolero and from Bolero Lanes, and they're like, Where is that? Oh, this Idaho Falls, Idaho. It's forty thousand people. It's like, how do you not yeah. know where Bolero Lanes is? I said, I said, Oh, it's on it's on First Street. I said, How long have you been in Idaho Falls? And they'd be like, Oh, 10 years.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's usually one of the first things that when we're working with a client, we know it's working is when they start to have people who come in and say, oh, I've lived here for 10 years. I didn't know you guys were here. Or I haven't been here in, in 10 years kind of thing. And you guys have changed a bunch. So it, it, I always give the example that because all the people that the proprietor knows, they know them, their friends, they know about it, but outside of that circle, it's unknown, but you don't talk to those people. So it's, yeah. it's
0: really amazing. And it's, we see it here at Victory Lanes because this area is growing like crazy, yeah. booming. just just. I've been here 10 years now, and there are now like three more exits off the interstate that didn't exist when I came yeah. here 10 years ago. Wow. There's, there's housing that's beyond belief, just literally across the street from us. There's 350 apartment units just went up in the last mm. year. There's 250 more that are going to go right behind wow. us. You can't drive anywhere without seeing new housing. Now, there is no way that any of those people know where we are. Of course. We are. And, right. and a lot of bowling centers are not super visible they're not yeah on a, a really high traffic location we're wow. an example of that we're not that easy to see not that easy to find when you're just driving by so
1: yeah the amount of space required for the price it's difficult to be in, yeah. on the
0: busy road yeah you can't get that prime real estate
1: exactly so then what are some of the things that you guys do to get in front of new people and let people know you're out there.
0: The first thing I usually do in any going into marks get, get involved in the chamber. And oftentimes the writer's really not. And usually the excuse is I don't have time you know, mm-hmm. for that, but doesn't really, chamber doesn't really involve that much time. And if nah. necessary, you can delegate that to the who's good with people. Right. You, two really a just, month. you just need to have a presence at their events and their meetings and things like mm-hmm. that. And then there's a lot of, the chamber does a lot of things like business fairs, business expos, job expos, health expos, outdoor events, things like that. Just always have a presence at those things because not only does it get you in front of people, get you in front of usually influential people in the community. And then and they, they talk and they share, they support the organizations that are supporting them. Schools are super important. And I know that a lot of proprietors talk about how difficult it is to get in the schools because yeah. for a commercial venture, I've never ever found that to be insurmountable in any market was John Summer. Again, his five centers said they could not get into the schools with the, we developed the say no to drugs, say us to bowling program. This was before hmm. the kids bowl free program, Yeah. which kids bowl free was an offshoot of our program. And that was the, it was a free game a day program. And you go into this in the summertime and you go into the schools in April and may distribute the cards and make contact, and then all summer long, the kids get one free game of bowling. You have to physically go in the schools to make that work. And if the schools won't let you in, then that's a problem. But there's always a way. So in our case, one of the reasons I called it Say No to Drugs, Say Yes to Bowling, and we tied in with the DARE program, and was because then we could go to the DARE officers in town, and say, Hey, we've got this program and it's a great program to keep kids busy in the summertime. Can you help us get in the schools? And of course they can. And so they're like, they'll always be like, yeah, when do you want to go? And when in, in Rockford, that was the case. And the DARE officer said, when do you want to go? Yeah. And I said, anytime hey, we go. And he literally would take me into the school, introduce me to the principal and say, they've got, Paul's got a program for the summer how many cards do you need? And then that would be that.
1: Yeah. I like it. It's genius.
0: Yeah. So other times you just have to be bold. And there were some times when maybe there's not a DARE program in the area and we would just go into the schools and You'd get this receptionist sometimes that would say, did you get permission from the superintendent? And I'd be like, oh, we do this. Yeah, we do this every year. And okay. And then we'd leave the, and then you mentioned free bowling right away because, you know, you start yeah. to get the resistance. And it's it's, uh, it's free bowling all summer long. And we have cards for the staff. And the second you say you have cards for the staff, and oh, okay.
1: <laughs> all of a sudden, Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I like that. That's a great idea. Cause yeah, it can be sometimes difficult to get in the schools, but once you're in, it's a, a great spot because you get the birthday parties, the, the kids in the summer, it, it brings a lot with it.
0: It's huge. Yeah. We've since COVID now, it's a little bit slower. We were probably averaging about 250 kids a day um, mm-hmm. in, but we've had centers and we had a center in uh, Port Arthur, Texas, where there was like nothing to do there in that town. So mm-hmm. the this program was huge because it gave kids something to do. And we were averaging five to 600 kids a day in wow. every wow. day of the week. Yeah, that's uh, massive. It was insane. I mean, they would be yeah. lined up. This is a 40 lane center and they would be lined up around the building waiting to get in.
1: Wow. Yeah. And that's all the free bowling program then?
0: Yeah, that's one. Mm-hmm. There's one free game a day. It includes shoes. And I remember the first time we did it here at Victory Lane. George Pappas is, is very cheap and there's no other way to put that. And he wouldn't even be offended if I said Mm -hmm. that because he is, he's very frugal and he doesn't like giving anything away. Mm -hmm. So the first time we did the say no program was in 2013 and, and I got the cards out, distributed about 50, 60,000 cards in the community. Then, and it was a Friday in May and I was, and it was a normal Friday in May. We had no business going on basically it was totally dead kids were still yeah. in school and got up around noon to to go do some errands and as i walked out into the lobby area people were coming through the front doors and a lot of people a lot of kids and parents and i thought did we book a field trip or something that i forgot about what are all these kids doing here and they just kept coming and and at what what turned out was since it was the first year we had done the program the school's didn't know that they should have distributed the cards when I first dropped them off and Okay. Florida. Yeah. So they held on to them till the last day of school. And this was the last day of school. I was like, whatever it was, May 11th or something. And so at noon, it was a half day. So they got out of school, they got their cards. And the first thing they wanted to do when the parents picked them up was, look at, I got this free bowling. Let's go bowling. Yeah. And so they just poured in. And they just kept coming. Within minutes, we went from empty to on a waiting list, and with forty lanes. And George came out, and he's freaking out. He's, "Oh my God, what are all these people doing here?" And I said, "What's the Say No program?" And he says, "Oh my God, they're all bowling for free." And I said, George, I said, we know historically that each kid that walks through the door with a card. We'll spend $5 while they're yeah. here. It's going to happen. We're going to mm-hmm. get an average of $5, whether it's extra bowling, food and beverage, arcade, whatever, we're getting five bucks a kid. Mm-hmm. And he's oh my God, I hope you're right. And I said, how many people do you think are here right now? And he says, oh, there's got to be over 200. And I said, okay. I said, that's a thousand bucks. And then, so then when the day was done, we looked at the numbers and we had done 630 Kids, 630 free games. Oh wow! 630 kids, and then we looked at the revenue for that day compared to the revenue the same day, the same Friday, the prior year. Prior year, the revenue, total revenue for the whole day and night, was about 3,000 bucks. This year, with the thing, it was over 7,000
1: wow yeah and it, it was <laughs> all because difference. of
0: 630 kids walk through the door and spend five mm-hmm. bucks yeah so it's just amazing and then yeah the residual of all that is of course is like you said birthday parties mm-hmm. leagues we, we do pick up we don't. a lot of proprietors get frustrated because with this program and the kids bowl free program and stuff you don't necessarily develop a lot of league bowlers But you do develop some, and we got to realize that league bowling is a different animal, and it's a commitment. It is, and and so even if we pick up ten or fifteen new league bowlers out of the program, that's ten or fifteen bowlers we didn't have before.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you mentioned about the conversation, the argument between the two, but it's really just two different types of demographics or customers: the the casual open bowler with the birthday parties and the league bowler, just two different ones that happen to go to the same venue and coexist exactly
0: know. exactly and you yeah so you can't be just one thing you can't be all things to all people but you also mm-hmm. can't just be one thing and survive i don't think even as an fec now the mm-hmm. huge fecs with all the that's all they are yeah they're really time, yeah. they're not bowling centers they have bowling lanes so dave and busters has bowling lanes but they're right. not a so right so yeah they're, they're an fec but we can we just look at our Our demographic, we look at our target market, we look at our available times and our inventory, and if we've got people that want to bowl leagues and they're willing to do it on a Monday night at 7 o'clock, then great, because nobody else wants to bowl Monday night at 7 o'clock. Exactly,
1: yeah. That's perfect. So we talked a little bit about the past and the history of you and your centers, your consulting. I'm wondering, we talked about some of the stuff that has worked in the past, but what about today? I'd love to touch on what's working for you today at Victory Lanes or maybe some of the other centers that you're still in touch with. What do you see is really crushing it today?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a whole new world since COVID. And, and it was always, bowling has, has always been changing. It's ever changing. Because society is ever changing markets, always changing and we have to adapt. And over the years and years ago, I pointed out, I thought bowling proprietors were one of those people or groups who were really slow to adapt, really slow to change and very set in their ways. And even though the world around us was changing and people were expecting and demanding something different than what we were offering. We continue to shove it down their throat. I think we've begun to recognize that you can't survive yeah. that way. And so you do have to pay attention to what's going on in the marketplace. You have to pay attention to what other entertainment venues are doing. You know, what's, I've always looked at what's what are, what the restaurant industry doing, what's the um, mm-hmm. club industry doing, what are hotels doing. And, and then, of course, true entertainment, amusement, Parks. What you couldn't do better than to model yourself after Disney years ago in terms of customer service, absolutely, and things like that. So look at who's doing things the best. Look at for a long time Southwest Airlines or Marriott or Mm -hmm. any of these companies, and just copy what they do. And as far as what's working now, boy, it's you just don't know. The one good thing and the kind of strange thing. So there was a time. There's been a few times over the years because I started my first job was in a bowling center in. She's 69 or so, mm. 1969, and as a teenager. And back then, bowling centers were so full. There was a proprietor in Concord, California, had a 44-lane center. They were full from the time they opened the doors at 9 o'clock until midnight.
1: Yeah, with some, yeah some were 24 hours a, a day.
0: Yeah, and it was just unbelievable. And the extent of his marketing was unlocking the doors. Yeah. Just unlock right. the doors.
1: Just open and they come. Yep.
0: yep. Mm-hmm. And and obviously that that changed. And we're experiencing right now since COVID, everybody's experiencing a lot more business. Our mm-hmm. our numbers are beating 2019 numbers. And that's without any huge price increases or anything. People because people just wanted to get out and do things again. Yep. <clears throat> so we're seeing that kind of across the board. And it's not so much that we can just unlock the doors. We still have to work a little bit at it, but yeah, but the two hour waiting list on, on a Friday night or a Saturday night, it's common. It's there. It's all the time. We sometimes go on a waiting list. The second we open the door on, a, on the weekend and we don't go off until 10 o'clock at night. And it's just cause people want to, want to do that. Now that's not going to last forever. Yep. So we have to be prepared for that. Enjoy it last. And in terms of marketing right now, we're not doing a whole lot to get new business deliberately because we are so busy and we don't have the staff to, to take care of everybody the way we should. So I don't want people to get frustrated by coming in, not being able to get a lane or not being able to get serviced yeah, properly. Yeah. And that's especially true in our case on the restaurant side. We have a whole new menu that we designed a year ago that we can't even roll out because we don't have people that could execute it. We don't have cooks that could actually deliver on that menu we've kept what we had and and people ask all the time because we did a remodel in the restaurant and a rebranding when are you going to really go live with this and when we have staff and i don't know when that will be someday it'll be someday but i'm not sure when yeah Uh, I, i think right now the things that we are doing are the things that we've done prior we're concentrating on leagues monday through thursday we're concentrating on birthday parties and company parties, the company parties, we lost because of COVID company yeah. parties were gone. Group events were gone. They're starting to come back. Now we're in a market Lowe's company, hardware. The yeah. their, their world headquarters are here. And so thousands of employees, and we were, used to do about 250 Lowe's company parties a year.
1: Wow. Every,
0: everywhere from 10 employees mm-hmm. and a small little team to 250. About 250 parties. Wow, that's almost one a day. Yeah, of various, yeah, various sizes. And they would range from, like I said, 10 people to 500 people, depending mm-hmm. on the nature of the event. And it would range from just your basic whatever team to to the executives. And, and it was, but after when COVID hit, we didn't have a Lowe's party until, well, just a few months ago. It was our first Lowe's party. And it was a small group. And now we've had three or four. And now we're starting to get inquiries more we're seeing people are booking christmas parties uh, already and and so that's all a great sign i think we do have to market that uh, and probably every bowling center should market that
1: Yep, it's one of the first things we do
0: that we are a venue for for corporate events so that's important and so that's going to cause us to get out and be more active in the chamber again not that we haven't been but we've been a little passive about that and we're going to get more involved and Mm -hmm. do an action, some targeted marketing to, to businesses again. And then Uh, I think we can do a lot better on our end with birthday parties. We do, I think we do really good birthday parties, but I think we could do better birthday parties and I think people expect better these days. mm -hmm. So that's something we're looking at upgrading and trying to really give them that wow. Factor.
1: And yeah, the great I mean, thing about the parties is that people who might not normally come in get invited to the party just because they're friends. And then you get exposure with new people, especially like the corporate events or the birthday parties. A kid or a parent who might not come in gets dragged in or invited in. And then who knows, they come back the next week because they have a good time or their kid has a birthday the following month. And it- so
0: you have 10 little uh, ambassadors that, you know, or the mommy, I want my birthday party here. Exactly. Or can we come back? And it's very important if, if a center's not including bounce-back coupons with every party they do, make yeah. sure you do bounce-back coupons because mm-hmm. you want to give the kids some reason. We do it with our corporate parties where we give them bounce-back coupons so they can bring their families back. Very and smart, with the yeah. birthday parties, same thing, give them corporate, give them b- coupons so that they'll come back again. Give them a reason to come back if they want to. And then recognize that there's a lot of residual that comes from the parties said, because they'll come back, we've picked up company parties as a result of a birthday party, because one of the moms happened to be somebody, uh, a manager at a business or an executive at a business and loved the birthday party so much that she said, this would be a great place for a team building event, a company party. And um, so we need to try to make sure that our in-house marketing, our four walls marketing, that we have plenty of literature signage, things like that, that would let somebody know, Hey, this is a place you could have a company party.
1: Yeah. And sometimes I find that just having the like a package or an option or think like a catering menu, all that spelled out just helps people see Oh, this is like something that people do all the time. Yeah.
0: Very important. And we can take, I think we can take lessons from places like Dave and Busters and stuff to how they display their corporate event type material, their promotional mm-hmm. material and stuff like that and other businesses. I love going to things like Bowl Expo and the state association meetings that meet in hotels. And then when they do the banquets and such, watch how they're presenting the buffets and yeah. how they're doing, how they're promoting their things and stuff too. Always taking pictures and sending it back to staff saying, yeah, hey, we should do this and we should do this.
1: Yeah, no, that's really smart. I didn't even think of that. That's a great idea because that's, that's the highest stakes, right? The convention center's. They get all the corporate events. That's smart. So you got the, obviously the wave of bowling, the resurgence, you got the events. Is there anything else you guys are seeing a good amount of success with?
0: In our case, and we're a little unique, I think in this regard is because we have a large restaurant lounge with where we can do events. We are doing more and more of that. And we started live comedy weekly and on a Wednesday night that would have otherwise been completely empty. So we went from zero business in the lounge to to maybe 100 people or so and and that's nice and basically we got the league still bowling and then you've got now you got something going on at the restaurant and again it's looking at inventory where do we have holes to fill one of the seminars that i always did was called filling holes which is are you looking for those places where you could actually put something in we've got a we've got a meeting room that's that can seat about 60 people comfortably so People are always looking for meeting space. I am active in the Rotary Club, in the Lions Club, and the Exchange Club, which are all service organizations. Very important to be involved in those because they give back to the community. But also, generally, there's a lot of people in those organizations that are influential as well. And they they meet at our place. So do a dinner, they do a lunch, or they do a breakfast. And so it's just additional revenue for us, non-bowling revenue, that they're in a room. And then we do... um, Live entertainment is tricky. It's expensive and it's tricky to book and things like that. So we did, we got lucky and found a DJ who does karaoke and dance type music and stuff. And he's developed a pretty good following and relatively inexpensive. It's not like a band. Yeah. it's, uh, yeah, one
1: person. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> and then we do some special things like we have the Lake Norman big band, which is a 20 piece orchestra. Oh, wow. uh, and they, they meet, they, they do a show here once a month or the third Monday of every month. I tried to get them to do it more frequently, but it's a bunch of retired guys that are musicians, really good musicians. And, um, and they're like, we can't manage, two times a month. Yeah. They rehearse, I think they rehearse weekly and then they play. But we get about hundred, 150 people for that. And we do a dinner and there's dancing and.
1: Um, do you tickets or they just show up or?
0: No, yeah, it's all reservations. Okay. We have limited space, and we have a big room. Comfortably, we can accommodate 120 or so. so every table is reserved, and so people buy their tickets online, or they, they call, or they come in, yeah. and then we actually reserve. We actually have season ticket holders who they pay for a whole year in advance, get a little Ooh. discount, and, and then they have their set table every month at the same table. So it's cool.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And you said you do a little comedy too. Talk about that, because I've seen people try that, and it could be difficult to screen good acts. What was your solution for that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we, pre-COVID, we tried it, and we hooked up with a company who did it. She was a really nice person, but she wasn't really getting the best talent, mm-hmm. and and so it was real hit or miss. One one week we'd have twenty people, and the next week we'd have sixty, and but mostly it was miss. And and then we stopped, of course, during COVID. And then and then after COVID, I met this was through my I'm involved in the Visitors and Convention Bureau as well. I'm, I'm on the board for the Morrisville Visitor and Convention Bureau. And so one of the board members is a restaurant owner in town who also is an owner of the comedy the comedy zone. And so we started talking about wanting to do comedy and he thought we'd be a good venue. And I said, Yeah, but it's just getting good talent that, that we can count on because they also have to be family-appropriate, yep. we position ourselves as always being family-appropriate, and so even stand-up comedy really can't cross that line. Yep. That could be a challenge. And so he said, hey, look, we, we'll partner with you. We'll book the talent. You promote the Comedy Zone helps us promote the brand and uh, because they have a venue in downtown Charlotte and then okay. also all over the country. And so we're working with them. We hooked up with them. And, and they book the talent and they screen it for us. And yeah. That's like, nice. Yeah. You know, it makes it really easy for us. And then yeah. We're just really kind of a.
1: The venue. A, you know, yeah. And do you do tickets online. for that as well?
0: Yes. Yeah. They buy okay. tickets online. Yeah. We, can, we set up on online. My son does the website and all the online stuff. And, and we, so we sell tickets to every event that we do, whether it's a comedy, whether it's big band, whether it's a pro-am when we we're hosting a pro-am this Labor Day weekend. You can enter online, sign up online, make, pay your entry online. And, and it's really nice. All that stuff can be done online. But to that point too, technology allows us to do a lot of things that we didn't necessarily do before. We, our league bowlers, we don't use envelopes. We don't use the old fashioned envelopes, no team envelopes. Our league bowlers either pay on their phone through, through an app. They just go online and they pay or they walk up to the front counter and they pay with a credit card and they can prepay the entire season. We encourage them to do that and a lot of, probably about 25% pay the whole season. Oh, that's give great. Them 10, give them a 10% discount. Yeah. They love that. And I'm sure um, you do too. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice. It's so nice. Once they've paid, we don't have to worry about that at
1: yeah, all. And it's a nice and cash infusion at a time of year that's not always as busy.
0: Yeah. It does give you a lot of cash up front and then mm-hmm. you just got to manage that part of it. Sure. Definitely. But and then yeah, so we're we're eventually, and this is one of those things is one of the first proprietors to go smoke free before states started imposing smoking bans. But I think we're gonna be one of the first proprietors that says when you sign up for a league, you're gonna give us a credit card and you're gonna be charged weekly for that, Mm -hmm. or you're gonna prepay the whole season. There's gonna be no payments. Weekly you're not going to come up to the counter and pay, you're certainly not putting money in yeah auto pay yeah and it's just and you're paying you start mm-hmm. thinking about what you can't subscribe to Netflix without a credit card you can't tell them you can't tell Netflix I'll pay next week and with league bowlers, that's what you get you get right. we're now at the end you're of chasing the money, yeah, we're at the end of the summer session right now we have this week and next week and the summer session's over, so now we're looking hard at who's behind in their payments and we've allowed it to happen if somebody's behind right. we've allowed it because they're supposed to be paying at the front exactly. counter and if they don't, we're supposed to go chase them but it's a pain in the butt to go chase them and then they of have course. all their excuses and mm-hmm. all that and then so they're already bold waiting. but you lost yeah, they, your leverage they've bold yeah. yeah and you can't tell them with one week to go well, if you don't pay you're not going to get the bowl and be like oh, whatever
1: yeah exactly yeah so, yeah, we yeah, implemented exactly. that with us for our clients. Not that we had people who weren't paying, but just because as we grew to more clients, trying to the work and collecting the money every month, it ends up to be a lot of time. So that's one of the best things that we ever did is just say that you put a credit card on file, it charges every month on whatever date you pick, and then neither of us has to worry about it again.
0: Yeah. So you're doing that? Yes. Yep. Okay. Great. And you do it across the board
1: 100%. Yep. Exactly. Yep.
0: Oh, sweet. Okay. It's easier
1: with you have some people who've done it a certain way for a while. If there aren't a problem, let them go. But yeah. for everyone who's new coming in, you just say this is how we do it and no one's had a problem with it.
0: And because it's the way of the world, mm-hmm. it's that you do that with everything. And yeah, they're used to yeah, it. Somehow bowlers think it's I try to tell the staff because the staff gets all upset because the bowler gives them a hard time. And, and I said, Look, what other business can you go in, get product or service and not pay for it? Say, I'll catch up next week.
1: Exactly. You know, like, yeah, like, nowhere. <laughs> so <laughs> right yeah try that with the bar tab <laughs> yeah yeah good luck yeah. yeah good i'm
0: glad you're doing that and that'll help me yeah continue. highly
1: encourage you yeah Yeah. Highly encourage.
0: i think what we'll probably do we have a lot of fall session leagues that do 15 weeks and then they break for the for christmas and then they start up again with a winter session that goes 15
1: weeks or yeah whatever. The the trick Uh, is ample notice. That seems to make it the the big difference. It's like, Hey, not today, but starting whenever you're going to do it. This is we're we're switching over to this makes it easier for you, easier for me. And then plenty of notice. They know it's coming. You tell them with every week or whatever leading up to it. And then it's no surprise.
0: Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking was when we do our organizational meetings this fall, we'll announce, Hey, come January. When the league does the winter session, this is how it's going to work yeah and, and then they'll
1: have the whole session to think about it yeah yeah no i'll, I'll be following up with you on that I'm, I'm curious to see hear how it goes i think it'll go well but yeah just yeah i'll, I'll be touching base so we're coming up on the top of the hour i um, know we could talk uh, i could talk to you all day i'm sure we want we'll to do another one down the road but before we go i just wanted to get the where you see bowling going in the next in the future the next three years or so and then your biggest challenge and your number one piece of advice so We can go through those really quick and then call it for the day. Okay.
0: All right. I'm not, yeah, I wasn't prepared for those questions, but I, I used to be, I think, pretty good at predicting where bowling was going. I think, I don't know that there's any possible way to do that these days. Yeah. I think still it's the basics. It comes down to the basics. And if you are a center that that has leagues take care of your leagues make league bowling fun can get boring it can get monotonous make it fun take good care of your league bowlers they still are your frequent flyers we have a league benefit program our league bowlers get discounts on open play they get discounts on food and beverage and certain special perks once in a while but uh, so do treat them well and then really start thinking about look take a hard look at your inventory take a hard look at your holes and see where you've got some low-hanging fruit you can fill because we here Friday nights in the fall. High school football is a big thing,
1: yeah. as
0: it is in a lot of markets. And so our Friday nights were really not that busy. So I actually brought back casino bowling or Monte Carlo bowling, color mm-hmm. pin bowling. Oh, yeah. Which we yeah. used to do in the 70s and 80s. And nobody had ever heard of it here. Color pin bowling, you no tap win money for getting a strike with colored pins and so we started doing that on fridays and it's been a hugely popular thing we limit it to 20 lanes because we don't want to take up the whole house with it Mm -hmm. but it's we we pretty much get 100 people every friday night so do you understand that there are old ideas that still can work and old programs that can work so Mm -hmm. if you do have a hole we had a hole on friday nights and i thought well maybe this will just be a temporary thing but it has become a regular Thing yes, year round, and, and it's year round, and it's really been nice because it's kept the summer Friday nights in the summer pretty good too. So be really open minded about about opportunities that you might have. Really focus on the party side of the business. Look at your pricing, make sure you're, you're charging enough, but also make sure you're giving enough value. Yes. Uh, and there's a lot of things you can do that are added value that that do not cost anything bowling itself you can do with time bowling there's added value there if you have pool or if you have arcade and you own your arcade you can do some things like that we give we give a five dollar arcade card to every birthday child and we call it priming the pump so they can go to the arcade and that five dollars right. cost in redemption process what maybe a dollar most so do things like that where you're giving added value we do on, but if you do a Groupon, a lot of people don't like doing Groupons because you, they feel like they're giving up too much. Yeah. Just don't, but if you do a Groupon, just don't include anything that has a hard cost. So don't include food. Uh-huh. Do bowling, arcade, billiards. Our Groupon is two hours of bowling, shoes, one hour of pool, uh, and a $10 arcade card for, or a $5 arcade card for each person, up right. to six people. So now we get six people come in and bowl. The average spend is hundred bucks, 130 bucks that they spend on food and beverage and additional arcade. So think like that. Yeah. So as far as, you know, where Bowling's going, I think it's just, we've just got to stay on top of it and continue to give customer service. That is what we sell. Don't ever forget that we really cannot take any customer for granted, no matter how good business is right now. And capture customer information. That's always been important. Yeah. It's a lot easier these days to capture mm-hmm. information. If you have Wi-Fi in your building, you can capture emails just by having free Wi-Fi. Yep. And and then through your website, all of the people that buy tickets to our events and things like that, we've got their information. Yeah. That that information is incredibly valuable to be able to communicate with
1: yeah. people. Yeah. Gold.
0: Yeah, and I forget what the, you had three questions. In yeah. There. So that,
1: yeah, that was the first one. So the biggest challenge, what would that be uh, currently? I
0: think, yeah, probably everybody would say staff right now. People. Yeah. Uh, and God, I have yet to come up with the solution for that. And it's just so frustrating because not only finding and getting people that mm-hmm. want to work, but once you get the people. They still don't want to work. They just want a paycheck and, yeah. and they, and God forbid that you ask them to do anything. I, I don't know. And people talk about whatever generation we're in right now, whether it's Gen Z or and millennials and, and things like that, and that they all have different perspectives and attitudes towards work and towards authority. And, stuff. Yeah. and we have to, we do have to take that all into consideration, but it's just hard when in the end it's, come on, I'm paying you to do a job, do the damn job and show up to work when you're supposed to. And it's, I don't know, it's, right. that yeah, is it's, clearly it's, the biggest challenge.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I'd I, say nine, nine out of 10 people have the same answer. That seems to be the yeah. big one today.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I definitely don't have mm-hmm. the answer for it. If I did, geez, definitely be out there sharing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's something that we've been working on. Cause that's typically the biggest concern and it's hard for us to convince people to do marketing if they don't have the staff to handle it. So we've put in some, a couple of different things into place. I have a webinar we can always link up, but there's definitely oh. some solutions out there, a different approach. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I would say, I'm not sure if this falls into any of your questions, but use resources that are out there, like yourself, like your company and the things that you're doing use so that it's free. So take advantage yeah. of that resource. If you're not a BPA member, join BPA. There is yeah. no, no brainer. And it's worth 10 times, 10 times Mm. the dues. And the resources are phenomenal. And then things like restaurantowner.com. Jim Lobb Mm. spoke at, Jim Lobb spoke at Bowl Expo. I've subscribed to restaurantowner.com for 20 years. And there is no better, I think, no better resource that's a non-bowling resource. But all the things that that they have available and it's 15 bucks a month or something.
1: Oh yeah, easy. And there's
0: so much available webinars and the manuals and worksheets and whatever you might need mm-hmm. there. So take advantage of those kind of resources as well.
1: Yeah. No that that's great. The, the info's out there if someone's willing to to consume it. Yeah. Okay, so then the last one that I usually like to go out with is your number one piece of advice for a proprietor. So maybe a newer proprietor, someone who's ready at a turning point or ready to double down, what would be your top piece of advice for a proprietor?
0: I guess For any proprietor, whether old or new to the business, that it's a people business. It's your customers are, it's about your customers and it's about your employees. As difficult as those employees are these days, but it is a people business and take care of the people, take care, take care of your employees as best you can lead by example, teach, teach them how to take care of a customer and, and just take good care of the customers. We know that I learned something when I was 16 years old in this business, and that was that there's only two things I think necessary to be successful in this business. And if we can deliver on these two things, we will be successful. And that is people want to be treated special. All people want to be treated special. And when they walk through our doors, it's so nice in our business that when people walk through our doors, they're here to have a good time. It's not like you're going to an auto mechanic. It's not like you're going to a dentist. You're not going someplace where you do not want to be there. And you're going to have to spend money that you don't want to spend. Mm -hmm. This, you're coming here to have a good time. So people want to be treated special. Let's make sure that we do that. Secondly, people want to have fun. And that's the only reason that they're here is to have fun. So treat people special, make sure they have fun, and we'll be successful.
1: Yeah. I love that. I can't, I think, can't think of a a better one to to finish up with for Paul, for anyone who wants to reach out or is curious about consulting or whatever else you're doing, what's the best way for them to get in touch?
0: I guess probably email. It's really simple. It's paul Mm -hmm. at victorylanes.com.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's how I got in touch with you. But yeah, thanks again for coming on. Like I said, I could talk to you all day about this stuff. Maybe we'll have to do another one down the road, but I really appreciate it. And, And this has been a pleasure.
0: Likewise, I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you, and and I, again, appreciate the work you're doing.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: All right.